So as you know, we are in the Gospel of Matthew. We are studying chapter 6 today. Uh, but let me just take one short step back and read you something from chapter 5. So in chapter 5, verse 16 goes like this. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As Christians, we are called to do good works in front of, not in front of, but in the world. And that is called to be light in the world. Another way to put that is do good works in the world in a way that will show to others the good work that God has done in you. Another way to put that, I'm stressing this because this is what we're going to talk about today. Another way to say that is the work of God in a man, in an individual, the work of God in a person is of such nature that it will go out into the world as light. But not a light that will shine on that person, but a light that will shine on God. And finally, the result and the purpose of that Light is that people will say glorious things about God, not about ourselves. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today, but in the context of giving to the poor. Not giving as in money to the church, the offering, but giving to the poor. Now, let me read today's text. If you have a Bible, follow along. If not, it's up there. And then we'll jump right in. So, it goes like this. Beware of practicing your right... Sorry. Beware, your, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus... When you give to the needy or the poor, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, there are four verses here, and my sermon will have four points. I, I want us to look in detail at each verse and then draw a practical conclusion, if there is one, but there will be. So before I jump into that, let me just shortly pray. Father, I... I need your help, and I, Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me and give me strength and give me the right words and the right attitude to speak to myself, because it's a sermon for myself, 
and also to, to these people who are present. Help us be built up by this word and help us or encourage us to, to learn how to everything we do to shine a light on you, to glorify you, Lord, not ourselves. Help me in this way, I pray for, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, verse 1. Let me read it again. Before, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, first of all, this verse is an introduction to the longer passage that follows, namely verses 2 to 18, where Jesus um, talks about religious practices, things that are practiced by his followers. The things that he will teach on is what we're focusing on today, namely giving to the poor or to the needy, and then next week, prayer, and then fasting. Now, Jesus does not teach the necessity of doing these things, but what he is teaching, actually, is the manner and the motive of those religious practices. Namely, how do you pray? How do you fast? How do you give to the poor? And why? So as I said, today we're going to look at giving to the poor. Now, what are, I said, the manner and the motive. What's the manner that Jesus opposes? The manner that Jesus opposes is, it's, it's right there, before other people. How do you do it? Don't do it before other people. That's the manner he teaches against. And the motive that he teaches against is in order to be seen by them. That's the motive he teaches against. Don't do these things so that they see you And don't do, don't do them in front of them. Now, we have to stop right here because I started the sermon with verse 516, right? There it says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And here it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen. And on the surface, it would appear that it's a contradiction, Right? It's not. I'll give you two reasons why. 5.16 talks about the complete lifestyle of a Christian. Not just one thing you do, everything you do. Everything you are, everything you say, think, feel, practice, that is a lifestyle. That will shine in the world like a light whether you like it or not. That's the point. You are a light as a Christian if the Holy Spirit is in you, whether you want it or not. Second motive, why this is not a contradiction, is because here in 6.1, people are deliberately looking for attention and praise for, from others for doing one thing. Is it clear? They're deliberately looking for praise from people for giving to the poor. 
So there's no contradiction here if you're thinking that. Close parenthesis. Now, I mentioned the manner and the motive. No, we're not in two, sorry. <laughs> the manner and the motive that Jesus is preaching or teaching against, right? Don't do it in front of other people. Don't do it so that you will be seen. The motive and the manner bring with them a reward. I said at the beginning of the service, we're going to talk about rewards. Yes, they bring a reward. The way you behave and the reason for which you behave in a certain way will bring with it, whether you like it or not, again, a reward. Whether here, now, in public, from people, oh, he's so good, he's a saint, he's so giving, he's so good and kind because of what he did, or one in secret, which we'll see what it is. And actually, probably it's the right time to ask the question, what is the reward, right? It says there, where is it? At the end here. It says, uh, the father, uh, um, you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. What's the reward from the father? What is that? Hope that was not me. What's the reward? What's the reward you're missing out on if you want a reward now from people? It is fittingly summed up in uh, Matthew 25, verse 21 and 23. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna read the passage, but you can look it up. So Matthew 25 where it says, enter into your master's joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. Whatever that joy, whatever that reward is, it's something that is in God's presence and it's filled with joy. What these people, the hypocrites, as we will see, were doing they were forfeiting this for something here now. I want to be praised by people. I cannot wait until the end. I need praise now from people. So, just to sum up point number one, this was verse 1.1. 1. 1. This functions as a, as, a, as a warning and as a, as a, let's call it a defining principle for the rest of the things that are coming, for prayer, fasting, and today, uh, um, the giving to the poor. Um, so today we'll look at, we'll apply this to the, um, to the giving to the poor. So let's read verse two. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, maybe you know, maybe you don't. So giving to the poor was a social, almost an obligatory social event in the Jewish culture. Um, 
and this is also something Jesus encouraged before in the Gospel of Matthew and will encourage further throughout the Gospel. Let me just show you. So, for example, in 542, he said, Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. There's a, this tradition, there's this the, um, custom of y- your giving. If you're a Christian, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're a Jew in that context, you would be giving. Nobody would think, oh no, maybe I, I'm not going to give. That's, there's no, none of that. Or further, Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell whatever you possess and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Again, it's a given that you sell everything if God is your treasure. Sell everything, don't think literal, I'm going to sell my house and live on the street because I have Jesus. That's not the That's not what this is teaching. This is teaching any treasure that drives my heart, whatever that is, it could be my family, it could be drink, it could be drugs, it could be something beautiful, whatever it is, it's going to become secondary to the treasure that Jesus is. But the, the giving is there, right? And then thirdly, One more example. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Each one of those needs is met. That's the culture where this is coming out of. It's assumed as being already practiced. So that's why I said Jesus is not teaching them, you need to give, you need to pray, you need to fast. In all three contexts, he assumes People are doing it. People are praying, people are fasting, and people are giving. Now, let's just look at some of the uh, three crucial words or phrases in the verse. Number one is praised. They may be praised by others. This phrase, praised, is connected to what we had in 1516, Give glory here, right? Uh, You cannot see it. May see your good works and give glory to the Father. It's exactly the same, right? Praise is when these people wanted the praise, what they wanted was the glory that was actually God's. Do you remember there is a verse in, um, in Isaiah, I think 42, where God says, my glory I give to no other. How sobering that is. When these people, by simply giving to the poor, were expecting the glory that God was supposed to get through that practice. And I mean, maybe we should take a step back and think how many times we did that because we're in the flesh. And Romans 7, where Paul says, I do the things that I do not want to do, is true of every one of us. Right? So don't hear this sermon as, oh, he's teaching us because he's... No, no. We're all in the flesh, and this flesh is sinful flesh. Next one. Um, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet. Now, 
I looked up studies and commentaries and social culture in the Jewish context, but there's literally no sign of any tradition of blowing trumpets when people would give, right? So Jesus is using a metaphor. Um, it's not at atypical of Jesus to use exaggerated metaphors. Cut off your arm. There's going to be another one. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing or the other way around. There's all kinds of exaggerated. My, my, he says, my blood is real drink and my flesh is real bread. Right? He's using metaphors in order to open up people's eyes. So, as I said, there's no literal blowing of trumpets. But what is Jesus doing? He's just simply underlying the wickedness of what people, people are doing. It, so, as you, say, as you see in the verse, it says there that as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, right? So, there's a tradition in the synagogue for some offerings or donations to be announced. This X person donates this thing, amount, animal, whatever, to that family or person. It was a custom. They would do that. Now, where it becomes wicked is the next one. And in the streets, that was not a custom. Nobody would go around presenting other people giving something to others. So they would go around saying that they're giving things to others. Now, it's, there it says streets. It's not really our custom and tradition to literally go on the streets of Alborg and say we've done this or that. But we have one street that is extremely dangerous, and that's social media in our context. That's our street. That's where the trumpets are being blown in all kinds of ways from the heart. I've done this or that. I was there signing in because I'm at this restaurant or the other or I don't know. Next term, hypocrites. Now, hypocrites is an actual term, which means an actual, um, whatever they call it. It means actor, right? Probably you know that. A hypocrite is an actor. In the, in the Greek, I think it was hypocritos. I'm not 100% sure. It means an actor. Actor in the theater, I mean. But then here, in this context of 6-2, there's no, there's no deceit, right? They're not acting out as they're giving, as if they were giving. They actually give. But the problem, as I said before, is not a lie, namely, I said I'm giving, but I'm not. But the problem is, because I gave, I'm deliberately looking for praise. They are, somebody called them, I actually wrote it down, somebody called them 
in a commentary, show, religious show-offs. And finally, I thought that that was last, I want more. Finally, Jesus says this phrase here, they have received their reward. What is he trying to say? Why does the Christian, the true Christian, get his reward at the end and maybe in secret, probably mostly in secret, but these people have already received their reward? Jesus is trying to point out something very sad, actually. It's one of the saddest things in the Bible, if you think about it. These people could not imagine that in this world, in this lifetime, there's more, there's a bigger treasure than just the reward of people's mouth. Oh, you're so good, you're so fine, you're so religious, you're so... They could not imagine that there is more or a weightier, more glorious kind of reward than just simple words. And there's more to it. The reward they already got is just here now for, what, 40 years, 60 years, 80 years, whatever. And then it's gone. But the reward you get with the Father is eternal. If we take to mean the, the reward that the Father gives is that enter into my joy, then that's eternal. It's full of joy and is in God's presence. Point three and verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, this is not something I knew, but uh, I learned it from somewhere, from a commentary. Um, Jesus, what he says here when he says, when you give, do not let your left hand know what your hand is doing, that your, the pronoun, is singular, not plural. Throughout the whole gospel, it's plural. You, Christians, you, my disciples. In the Sermon on the Mount, in these specific contexts, it's singular. You, personally, the individual. Which, it's so amazing. Because he's trying to all underline the fact that you giving to the poor... You praying to the Father, you fasting, not eating for some spiritual purpose. You doing that is a matter between you and God. It's not a matter of community and God. When you give to the poor, it's between you and God. It's a personal decision with regards to how much to give and who to give to. The lack of communication between the left and right only comes to underline or lift up how secret this should be. I mean, just it's almost uh, uh, horrific, the image. Your left hand not to know what your right hand is doing. But he, 
he uses the image again to highlight how important this is. Let me, I want to give you an example of, of the secrecy of giving. Um, this is Matthew 25, 35 to 40. Let me just read it fast. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, so the disciples, the righteous, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you food? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. These people are completely unaware of the fact that they did good works to the glory of God. It just flowed out of who they were. They have no idea what they did. They just did what they were doing. Just like when you wake up in the morning as, and you're a father or a mother, you don't plan out and think, okay, right now I'm going to start being a dad. And at 8 o'clock in the evening, you stop being that. It doesn't work like that. Just like being a Christian doesn't work like that. You don't wake up and at half past 7, now I'm going to pray and I'm just going to start my Christian session for today. It doesn't, that's not, that's not the, what the book teaches. This is either from the heart or it's not at all. So here we have a clear picture of what it means to give to the poor, to the glory of God, and not to yourself. It comes naturally. You don't sit down and draw maps of where should I sit or say, what, the, what words should I use and with whom in order to actually get that praise. It just flows out, comes out. And finally, verse 4. So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Just like in verse 3, in verse 4 as well, your Father, it's not plural, it's singular. And might I even say, maybe I should have said this first, this verse, your father who sees in secret will reward you, that's, that's the, how should I call it? That's the root, that's the main phrase, that's the main point, that's the, the, the hook. If that's not there, you're not going to do anything that you're supposed to be doing to the glory of God. If God is not your father and you're not living as, a, as in a relationship with him, this and everything we said and will say will not be true or will not be able to happen. So let me come back. So your father here is singular. And it is singular because Jesus again and again is trying to drive the focus of the disciples on the heart, your individual heart. 
This is a private decision. This is a private matter. This is a private relationship. What you do is between you and God, not between you and the outsiders who are supposed to praise you. Um, I said at the beginning of the service, maybe some of you were not here, I said at the beginning of the service that the, um, the theme of rewards in the Christian culture, Christian context, is a controversial subject, controversial matter. And it is for one reason. We're saved. How are we saved? By faith, not by works. Because if we were saved by works, our salvation would be the reward, right? Do you see why it's controversial, what I'm saying now? Because today we're saying there is a reward for what you did. It's not an easy subject because Paul, in all his letters, he teaches against that, namely, do things in order to get a reward. Though he does say, everyone who runs the race will get a, a crown. So there's the, the difference. Maybe it's not a difference. I'm, I, I don't have the right word for, for that term. The issue at hand is how to live on a thin line between it's all by grace, I have no participation in my salvation, my reward, and every good work that I do on this side of heaven will receive a reward. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, a room for you, a house for you. Then we were told, enter into my joy. That's also a reward. So I'm not making any point out of this. I just want you to know there's a tension here. Okay. That was the text. Now the hard part. So the Pharisees had a horrible problem, had a huge heart problem. Because they, the only thing they desired in the world was to be seen as extremely religious, law-keeping, and to be praised for it. That was the, the gas in the engine. That's what drove them. That's why they woke up in the morning, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something you already know, but that's why we come here, because repetition is, you know what it is. There's two ways to live this life. Just two ways. One is to your own glory, and the other is to the glory of God. Some person said, if you're a Christian, you cannot eat pizza or drink orange juice without giving glory to God for them. Think for yourself if it's an exaggeration or not. But So, 
two ways to live life, to your glory or to God's glory. Each of these two lives brings a reward. If you live for your own glory, you already received the reward. If you live to God's glory, right now, right here, your only reward would be your passion to glorify God because the reward, reward will come at the end. But do not mistake the fact each of these lives has a reward. It will shape and drive the way you live your life, the way you parent your children, the way you treat friends, the way you eat pizza and drink orange juice, right? It will affect it. Now, let me just point out a few differences between the two, crucial differences. Now, if you live the first kind of life, namely to yourself, I listed it second, but it doesn't matter. If you live the kind of life that glorifies itself, this kind of lifestyle would consist of acts, behaviors, done falsely in the name of God when actually they're, def- uh, when they're done in your name. So it will be a fake kind of lifestyle. You would constantly be living a lie. Number two, this kind of lifestyle is not only a lie or fake, it is extremely superficial. You will want to be judged only according to what's seen and you will judge others according to what you see. It will be superficial. A life of appearances only. No depth, no substance. Number three, this kind of lifestyle will do anything to cover its own darkness. I will, I'm reading uh, 1 Corinthians, and uh, this morning I read in 1 Corinthians 4, that when Jesus returns, he will uncover or reveal the intentions of the heart. That's exactly the point. If you're this kind of a person who only wants glory for himself, you will have to hide something. You will have to hide the reasons. You will have to hide why you're like this because otherwise people will see it. Right? These Pharisees didn't go to the street and say, I want praise, I want praise, without saying, I gave in order to get praise. They had to hide. There's hiding. Right? And finally, this kind of lifestyle will have a horrible approach to friendships and relationships because you will only want people in order to feed on their praise. This kind of person will not be able to have a proper kind of relationship with somebody if they don't receive their praise. Now, how about the second lifestyle, the glory of God, to the glory of God? This one is more simple, actually. Because when you live to the glory of God, what we do, what you do, is you imitate Jesus. That's it. Jesus said in um, John 50, uh, John 50, John 8, 50, I do not seek my own glory. That, that's an echo of what we're saying today. 
or rather what we're saying today is an echo of that. Why do you want to seek your own glory? Why would somebody in their right mind, whatever that means, do that? Everything Jesus did was to point to the Father. That was his passion and that was his joy. And he was acting out, and now we're coming to the main point, rather. What Jesus was doing when he was doing that was he was acting out the two most important commandments in the Bible. He was loving God and he was loving people. He was loving his father when he was trying to glorify him and he was loving people when he was trying to glorify the father. Now, when you try to, so maybe some don't know. What are the two main most important commandments in the Bible? Love the Lord your God and your neighbor, right? Now, the more you love God, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. You will love people more. The closer you get to Jesus and know him and love him, the closer you will come to, ki- to, 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 I almost said kids, to people and you will love them. But then you need to draw a line and say, of course, that's true, but then the opposite is true as well. If you're not going closer to Jesus, if you're going further away from Jesus, you're stepping back from people. You cannot love people from the heart if you don't love Jesus more. So let me finish like this. So we have the text here on this side, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. We read that. You don't have to read that again. But I put it side by side to what I want to do so that you get the point of this. I think we, we have a better perspective and a better practical understanding of what Jesus is teaching here if we turn the text upside down and draw out the main point of each verse. So this is a paraphrase. I'll start with verse 4. If God is your father and your desire is to glorify and be rewarded by him, right? That's verse 4. You will not spend time in your heart, in secret, thinking about what you are doing and the reward or the glory from other people. And not focusing on that, but on God who is your father. You will not be able to be a hypocrite just doesn't work like that. Basically, what others will see in you will be the real thing. And finally, all this will be obvious in everything you do. This is another way of saying what we read in Matthew 25. Those people had no idea they were serving and glorifying Jesus to what they were through what they were doing to those people in prison or on the street. They were just doing it out of love. Nobody forced them to go to prisons. You know, in in um, in those times, if you were a Christian and you would go to the prison and bring food or clothing or different things to those who were imprisoned already, 
the authorities would know who you are and would go and rob you and do things to your properties. It's in, it's in Hebrews, in Hebrews 11. Right? That's what it says. You considered the burning of your properties a better treasure than, than Christ. Than, um, sorry, safety and comfort. So, final sentence. If you live to the glory of God, all you will do won't be planned strategically. It will just flow out of what is in your heart. A love for the Father and a sincere desire to glorify Him. Let's pray. Father, we are weak. We are still in our flesh. We are still sinful. Unfortunately, we, we still desire things that are not honoring You. Lord, but just like the song that we sang before says, our spirit and our soul is willing not to be like that. We want to be like Jesus. We want to hunger for that purity. We want to be able to give without waiting praise or serve without waiting words of appreciation. Help us just live our relationship with you out so that it will be a light in the world. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may stand for the benediction. As always, it's, it's my favorite benediction. <laughs> uh, this is, um, I don't have it on the screen or wall. This is Hebrews 13, verses 20 and uh, 21. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>